kids who are struggling, sometimes parents think, oh, is it just a stage that they're going through? Is it just puberty? Or are they just going through a rough patch with some friends? Or is it exacerbated by this gap that they've had in the last year and a half? Hello, hello, Blissful Parents, Michelle Abraham, your host here today, and I am thrilled to bring you another amazing interview. Today, I have a special guest. Uh, I have Erin Royer. So, hey, Erin, how are you doing today? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. You are so welcome. Uh, Blissful Parents, let me tell you a little bit more about Erin. Erin is the host of the podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Erin uh, is LA's go-to expert in all things parenting and child's development for today's common challenges. She covers way more than just discipline. She dives into topics like self-esteem and development and health and, and modern parenting is, uh, issues and education. Today, we're going to talk about what's going on in the world right now with our kids. Is there something underlying in your children's behavioral challenges? Is it to do with what's going on in the world right now? And when do we need to start worrying that it's not just a phase they're going through or a stage they're going through, that it might be more and when to take action. So Erin, thank you so much. You're also also an author of The Connected Parent for, toddler, for Toddlers. Is that correct? Tell us the a little bit Connected about Connected Parent's Guide to Toddlerhood. Yes. Thank you. Sorry about that. Connected <laughs> Parent's Guide to to parenting for toddlers. I love that. Thank you so much, Erin. And welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to dive into this topic, a very important topic going on right now. Absolutely. So share with us uh, from your work in the world right now. Um, this is something that is you're talking about a lot with your clients and on your podcast. Share with us your point of view and what's happening. So, you know, it's interesting because now that kids really aren't at home anymore, I think a lot of us parents, I know for me, I thought things would start to get better for kids and easier for kids. We'd all just kind of start to fall right back into quote unquote normal life. Not that we'll ever have the same normal we had before, but you know, now that kids are able to interact and have more social connection with their peers, we really kind of expected kids to just fall right back in. And, you know, they're not adults and they've missed um, quite a few, well, not a few years, but a year to a year and a half of their development with social interaction and just other areas of their development. And so we're finding um, that they're really struggling. A lot of kids are really struggling. And as I've been talking to therapists and counselors and pediatricians and teachers, I was really surprised to hear how much that kids are struggling. They're seeing kids younger and younger, dealing with mental health issues they've never seen before in kids that age. And um, that there was just this gap in their social abilities. And now they're trying to remember how do they interact with their peers and they're behind in academics in many cases. And so, um, you know, the teachers and the, the staff and counselors, they're really um, just trying to keep up with the demand right now and helping kids manage their mental health. Mm, that's a huge, huge job for those parents and teachers out there um, to really to kind of to navigate. And it's interesting. I was reading a statistic the other day that said if your child's in grade four, the last normal school year they had was grade two. Wow. Yeah, that's really sobering when we really stop to think about it. And so, you know, just seeing that these counselors and therapists are just, they're booked out for like months. And so for kids who need some help and need some support and parents who need that extra support, it can be hard to come by. So, it, you know, it's a, a definitely an interesting thing to navigate. And there's a lot of signs that have been showing up 
you know, for, for kids who are struggling, sometimes parents think, oh, is it just a stage that they're going through? Is it, you know, when you have kids in this age range, you know, some of them are hitting puberty at nine and 10 years old. So we're like, is it just puberty? You know, are they just going through a rough patch with some friends or is it exacerbated by this gap that they've had in the last year and a half? Yeah. Have you noticed like, or have you, you know, discovered that there is some certain things that like when we can tell the difference between when it is just a stage they're going through or when it's something that's more serious to do with their health or anxiety or depression? So the good news is that for parents who have older kids, when you have toddlers and preschoolers, it's a little bit more difficult because they're not um, very articulate to talk, you know, and talking about their feelings and what's going on inside because they just don't even know what this is. But by the time we have, you know, school age kids, it's definitely easier. And of course, there's a spectrum because it depends on our child's temperament. So of course, the first thing is connecting with our child's temperament. Has our child, you know, always had a difficult time talking about feelings or talking about tough things? Or is our child usually pretty, pretty good and pretty easy about saying I'm struggling right now? So that's the first thing is where's my child on that spectrum. And, um, and if you have a child who talks easily about it, that definitely makes her job a lot easier. So that is the first thing, but, um, (laughs) yes. And except I have a boy who's extremely sensitive, feelings aware, and is very good about sharing when he is having some difficulties. So the first thing is just, are they acting really differently? for what we're used to seeing. So when you have a child who's eight, nine, 10, you've got a good history with that child. So um, things like, you know, are they crying a lot? Are getting upset a lot, weepy a lot, or even irritable? Some kids don't do upset or crying, but they'll do irritable. They just, things are bug them. Just everything is just annoying to them. It's bugging them. They don't want to deal with stuff. They'll have a low frustration tolerance, things that you know, they used to be able to do easily or, you know, just open a package or whatever. We'll just, they'll just get really irritated very easily with things that wouldn't have bothered them at all before. And those are some things to, to definitely look for. Um, taking things very personally, when they start to take things very personally, things that would have just kind of not bothered them at all before. And all of a sudden it's like one, a little bit of constructive criticism and they're just falling apart. Um, you know, struggling with their peers, having a hard time with friendships. These are all related to this struggle of trying to kind of reemerge into the world and reconnect with people. Yeah. I feel like it was like a, we were off for a while and then we were on right on, right? Like there was kind of like, I think we kind of forgot about the transition period there that maybe our kids needed a little bit more of a transition between the being at home and trying to be homeschooled or trying to learn online to the being off for summer and then being fully back in school. You know, I think that was kind of something that maybe as a forethought or as like looking back in hindsight, that maybe that was something we should have looked at more as a whole. Like, I feel like that reintegration, what are your thoughts on that? Um, Well, and also we have this whole thing right now with, are my kids in school or are my kids out of school? And I don't know what other schools are doing, but a lot of schools and where we are, if someone in the classroom is tested positive, the kids all get sent home for 10 days. So there's just a lot of uncertainty and there's been so much uncertainty for this entire year and a half. And so that's really difficult. And that's, you know, that's stressful for them and for us as parents, because we don't know if our kids are in school or out of school. So that's another area where they're just like, I don't know if I'm in school next week. And so just all that uncertainty that they're trying to manage is also um, very difficult. And I love what you said that, you know, we haven't really thought about really making sure that those transitions are smooth for them. And how are we, 
you know, as adults, how are we leading the way? And I think, you know, we've never been through this, yeah. any of us. And so we're kind of <laughs> unprecedented trying, territory right now. <laughs> right. We're trying to figure this out. And um, so, yeah, we haven't done the best job, but, you know, one thing parents can do and the schools I have seen have done a pretty good job of this, of really just maintaining a positive attitude about here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to handle it. Okay. Next week you're home. Here's the computers you are going to use at home. Here's what we're going to, you know, just taking charge and just letting the kids know it's going to be okay. We're just going to be home. We'll get through this. We'll get you back to school as soon as we can. And just letting them know that it will be okay. This is all going to go away and that wow. we have it handled. Yeah. And it's interesting because you're sharing a perspective that I didn't even know was existing right now. I had no idea that was happening. We live in such a small town that we haven't had any COVID cases up there in our town or our school hasn't been affected. So that's interesting to know that in, and in some areas that that's happening where the kids are going home, like every other week, that's a whole other thing to try to manage. I can't imagine the parents that are trying to work right now full time too. Like that's going to be really stressful on everyone. Yes. Yes. And we had that once so far this year, Our, um, my two younger ones, my twins were home for 10 days when there was a positive case in their class. Yeah. So we have had that already. So yeah, anyone in any kind of, you know, uh, metropolitan area that's got any kind of population and that's a very right. real, um, you know, thing that we're contending with. Absolutely. And if it's not happening now, it will be coming down as we head into winter, <laughs> you know, head into, you know, that, that time of year where there are typically more <laughs> colds and flus and things going around. Wow. Yeah. That's a whole, that's a whole other layer to things too. I was thinking that, you know, like now they're back in school full time, like how do we get them back up to speed? But no, if they're going in and out all the time, that adds a whole different, whole different thing uh, to try to, to try to manage. Wow. Um, Interesting. What are your thoughts on, what are some things that parents can do to really help if they see their kids are starting to struggle? Um, Are there some things that we can do as parents to help support uh, and get them getting them back up to speed and reintegrated into into this world. So it's interesting because we actually just went through this this week with my youngest son. So he is a very sensitive soul, um, and he feels things very deeply. Um, he forms very deep friendships, very deep bonds. But he's not the kid that has like a ton of friends, kind of surface level. So and we moved, so there was just a lot of change for him. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I did that when I really saw that he was struggling was I got him into his pediatrician, which is what I recommend parents start with the pediatrician because they can do an assessment. Mm -hmm. at the pediatrician's office, they will usually run a particular test of one or another. That is a, um, that is a a test that they do for um, finding out if a child is struggling with depression or anxiety and, or both, and they will test for that and then get an assessment uh, done. And that way you'll have, you know, your diagnosis or not, or you'll just know what level of depression or anxiety that they're dealing with. So, you know, how much help and how much support you need to get for them. So that's the first step is knowing what you're dealing with. And that's the quickest way, just because mental health professionals are so overwhelmed. And it's also difficult, even for me, and I work in the field to figure out where to send my kid, who's under my insurance, what do they specialize in? And then you try to call and nobody calls you back. So it's just the easiest thing is to start with the pediatrician. 
Yeah. And it's good to know that they have those um, assessments available because I think sometimes when we think about anxiety and depression, it's like, oh, you know, it's something that you see or you notice or that and maybe it's a while before you start to really notice that this is actually something that should be paid attention to. And then to know that there is some sort of diagnostic or assessment that can happen early on instead of waiting till way later where a medication or something is needed. I think that's great to know that those resources are available for parents. And the other thing that is really important to know, because having worked in the field, also worked with kids and with parents and worked in the schools is that, you know, once kids, um, it can spiral very quickly downward. And then you have, you're dealing with kids who are self-harming, getting into potentially drugs or alcohol or other types of coping mechanisms that are very, very unhealthy. So we definitely want to try to catch them before that takes hold, because then you've got a whole other set of issues that you're trying to back out of not just dealing with the depression, but now you've got some type of addiction, whether it's the self-harm or the, you know, um, the alcohol or drugs or whatever they're getting into. Yeah. That's so that's, yeah, that's such a good point uh, in that prevention. Are there, are there key indicators that we need to look for? I mean, you, you mentioned a lot earlier, but I guess it really is though, that's really not a fair question because there is, it is so much on an individual <laughs> basis. So we'll just assume that the things that you covered earlier were really good things to start looking for. If we start noticing that change in behavior or things that we know our kids really well. So I, I can't say, I can't ask you the question I was going to ask you or tell us like the three things that we should really pay attention to, but I would assume that would be more so like, you know, their sleeping habits or eating habits mm-hmm. or activity and their friendships is probably some things to look at. Right. And the other thing I was going to say is the clinginess. Some kids will get very clingy. Mm-hmm. You'll get, there's two different types. They'll either get very clingy mm-hmm. or they'll become very isolated. Uh, yeah. so they'll start spending more and more time alone, like not interacting with people, not interacting with the family, or they'll become very clingy and connected and want to spend more time. Um, my son wanted to spend time with more time with me and wanted to um, spend the night with me, which is just unheard of for him. Like he never would want to like, even he would come in and say goodnight, but he wouldn't want to snuggle even before bedtime. He loves his bed, loves to sleep. And so that was really different for him to just be like, can I just stay with you? He was mm-hmm. really needing that connection. Yeah. The connection and the safety. I think the the safe space. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Um, want to talk about your, you have built this community online that is for parents and a resource and it's called your village And so can you tell us a little bit about that and uh, what inspired you to create that and how it's helping so many parents? So it's a website that has parenting classes. It's got, uh, at this point, I have about 60 parenting classes and they're on demand. And I started this because I wanted to help parents to do prevention and connection early on because I was working with um, children, teens, tweens, and seeing um the kids who were coming into my office were the ones that just, um, there was just some parenting that needed some tweaking, but it gets to the point by tweens and teens where it really starts to show up and manifest in pretty big ways by that point. So uh, I really wanted to help parents. And I realized the best way to, to be able to do that would be where they could just come and take any class they want, anytime they want to, they don't have to sign up. They don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to get a babysitter. They don't have to figure out the time that it works in their schedule or not. So appreciative. Um, Thank you. They come as yeah. the mom. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to yourself. teach some classes to see what I liked about the um, instructors, what I would do differently. And it was just so hard to get in my schedule when I had three toddlers. I'm like, this is mm. just ridiculous. So I'm like, this should be online. And then it like, 
Ding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you've created this community for parents. And um, if you guys, blissful parents out there, go check out your villageonline.com. I think Aaron's done a fantastic job. So Aaron, is it you that is the teacher of all the classes on the website as well? Yes. So I have um, curated the entire list of classes. I continue to add to it over time and I do all the instructions. So I set up all the outlines and create all the presentations and I am the voice behind all the classes as well. Awesome. And being the expert that you are, that's a good thing that you're the one behind all the classes. That's awesome. <laughs> and I see um, Aaron's have it has it all separated from like what age your child is as to which courses are applicable to that age range. So that's really awesome the way you've set that up. And you also, let's talk about your podcast too. So you have the Beyond Discipline podcast, which I think is amazing. You have over 258 episodes, guys. And if you're really resonating what we are speaking about today, I would highly recommend you go and take a listen to episode 258, because I'm sure that you, uh, Aaron dives a little bit deeper into the topic that we are um, talking about today. And she just published an awesome episode um, this week. So go check it out. Um, and uh, Aaron, tell us a little bit more about your podcast. So I cover, a lot of times I answer questions from parents. So parents will just send in questions about whatever their struggles are. I get a lot of questions about, you know, bedtime, the nighttime struggles and not sleeping through the night. And um, for younger kids, um, the tantrums and meltdowns and healthy eating questions. Um, But then I get all kinds of questions all the way through, you know, elementary school of, and even tweens and teens, parents dealing with some of the tween and teen issues of, you know, there's the respect and how do I, you know, manage respect in my home and make sure that my tween or teen is still acting respectfully, even while they're trying to assert their independence. So I cover everything, but usually I cover that, um, cover a question, but sometimes if I feel like a topic is just really tugging on me, I will cover that separately, which is what I did this week. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And um, so I'd love to hear what's your advice for parents right now that are trying to navigate and you, you know, what I really love about you, Erin, is that you're going through the exact same stuff at home right now. You have, you have three kids yourself and, you know, I think it really helps to hear an expert on this topic, but also someone who's going through it themselves at home. So I know you must have some really great takeaways for us as parents as to how we can just navigate and make the most out of the most blissful experience. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) The most blissful experience we can with what's going on in the world right now. So, you know, one of the things or several things that I've done uh, with my son who's struggling right now is to do exactly that, help him find joy. What is it that brings him joy and then try to maximize that for him? Because, you know, I'm, I'm sure probably every adult listening to this, I can't imagine there isn't one who hasn't dealt with some level of depression themselves, you know, and when you just feel like crap, you just, you know, it's just hard to find the joy and it's hard to find bliss and it's hard to be friendly to other people. And so helping him maximize that joy so that he can feel better so that he can get out into the world and show more of himself. So I'm trying to help him spiral that up into a positive direction. So I've been working with him on that, helping him with friendships. We've um, helped connect him with a couple of friends from class that he has started to make and, you know, get some we're going to work on getting some play dates. So really the term I use is scaffolding where we're really supporting their process. And when kids are really struggling with their mental health, we're going to be um, really supporting them in a much bigger way than we normally will. But once they start to 
feel better, start to get their, um, you know, get back to their more normal level of mental health, then they'll be able to start doing more of these things for themselves. But in the meantime, like we really need to just buoy them up as much as we can. But we also, at the meantime, we need to balance because it was really hard to drop Chandler off at school today. He was really struggling. He had a bad day yesterday. A couple of kids were mean to him on the playground. And, you know, you got a kid who's struggling with his mental health and then kids either hone in on that, or it was just a bad, you know, mix, but that doesn't help anything. And so, you know, I have to, I have to help him manage that, but I can't just you know, protect him and leave him home. Yeah, all the keep time. him at home and protect him. <laughs> yeah, he needs to go out in the world. He needs to start connecting with kids. He needs to get his education. And so, um, you know, it's a balance. We're working on that balance of, you know, making sure that they're safe, making sure that they're just not spiraling down so far that it's going to be harder and harder to get them back up, but also letting them go out there and, and just, um, you know, try their best in the world today with as much support as we can give them through that process. And I talk to the school. That's another great thing. Talk to the school. I talk to the office and I'm like, he had a bad day on the playground. What should he do if this happens again? Um, and she's like, he can come into the office. He can talk to me. He can call you. So they've been super, super supportive. The school has been That's amazing. Nice. Yeah. We've had some situation in our household, my, my daughter and the school has been so you know, they don't want any bullying or the incidents that if they happen, they want to be involved. They want to know. And it's been just so nice to know that you have a team of experts also in supporting, supporting you as a parent in like you helping your child get through whatever it is there that they're going through at that moment. So that's, that's really great to have a, that, that feeling of support being supported too. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting um, that I love what you're saying. Um, about the finding joy. And I've noticed that my kids actually in the last little while when we've started having more play dates now, because we have, we, I didn't have play dates for a long time, obviously, because of everything that was going on, the play dates and there wasn't a lot of birthday parties, but now they've started, slowly started doing birthday parties and play dates again. And I've noticed a change in their, the, the pure excitement and joy that is exuberating from them because they get to have a play date and finally someone gets to come over. And that's really great to really great to see them be able to get back to feeling like a little bit of that normalcy again in some cases and let's just hope that we can continue down this path of adding keeping some of that uh for them because I see how much how how excited they get for it yeah and it's so important for them to have that's really important for their development and so it's so great I've had middle school teachers even tell me like their middle schoolers are just they're trying to reacclimate and help these kids learn how to work together as a group on a group project and how, you know collaborate because they haven't had to do that or been able to do that for so long that's so funny yeah it's interesting and I know when like the pandemic first happened my son went to like you know the only way he could see his friends or hear his friends was on playing a game together online or something and as much as I didn't like don't love the technology games but it was allowing them to have a little bit of that like friendship and camaraderie. I know we had the same thing because it was like the only way they got any social interaction was by getting online. And so we allowed it a lot more than I normally would have. And now we're trying to back out of it, but it's, you know, that's a whole other thing that we're trying to work on. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, we're trying to ease them back into like the normal life and then 
in an, in an, in the retreat a little on the on the online stuff. Exactly, tricky <laughs> balance. It's it's a hard it's a hard job for us parents right now. I think. It really is, and and we don't really have any any other generations to look through to look to to yes. help us through right now because this is all all new for everyone. So. Uh, Aaron, I want to thank you so much for spending this time with us today. It's been awesome. And I'm so grateful that you've created a community for us parents and your podcast. Guys, make sure you go and check out uh, yourvillageonline.com, which is Aaron's community with all her courses there. You don't even have to leave your house and you can sit in your pajamas. And also her Parenting Beyond Discipline uh, podcast. There's two and also, I want to say that for members, we yeah. do a bi-weekly chat where I get online with the parents who have questions and answer questions directly. And it's usually a small group of like four to five parents and me, and we just answer whatever questions people have as well. So. Well, that's a huge asset to that, to then going, taking it from an online program to then some interaction. So that's awesome. Uh, And any last things you want to share with our parents before we let you go today? I don't think so. We covered quite a bit today. Okay, great. So make sure you guys go and check out uh, all of Erin's amazing podcasts and her online community. And until next time, blissful parents, just know you're doing the best you can do. And as Erin said earlier, having your children find a little bit of that joy, I think will help them have a more blissful, blissful experience in their life and us some more blissful parenting experiences, I think. (laughs) So thank you so much, Erin. It's so great chatting with you today and blissful parents out there. Uh, See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com. Thank you.